I'm Aaron Schoenfeld, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined per usual by my friend Callum Williams. And we are joined via the magic of Zoom by forward Aaron Schoenfeld from sunny, I mean, I presume it's sunny, Orlando, Florida. Aaron, I'm obviously mostly interested in talking to you, but I, I have to begin with the wild fact that Cal announced on Facebook yesterday that he thought the hook from Ariana Grande's Thank You Next was bacon eggs. Cal, would you care to comment on this? <laughs> if you listen to the song, I swear to you, it sounds like she's saying bacon eggs. I always thought it was very bizarre that she was so grateful for her eggs. <laughs> we'll have to go in after this and uh, take a listen. When I'll be I, the, I can be the judge of this. Have to take a good listen. <laughs> yes, I think we need. I think we need an outside party because I listened to it this morning. I had to. Listen, I had to go. I put on the headphones right away and listen to it. I was like, I can't hear bacon eggs. <laughs> Although I appreciate a great, you know, ode to breakfast, because I love breakfast, but I, I just, I, I couldn't really hear it. Um, Aaron, I think you went on mute. We're, we're learning technology here. This my is, bad, my bad, my bad. It's all good. It's all good. Um, Aaron, are there any lyrics that you have always misheard in songs? I mean, I'm sure there is. Um, give me a second. The the class you think about it the classic that I know is that is the Jimi Hendrix song Purple Haze people think it's Excuse me while I kiss this guy and so oh, I would say that's it I would say Excuse me while I kiss this guy too that's what I've heard <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also my brother was notorious growing up for uh, mishearing lyrics and he thought that the U two song Cal this one's for you the U two song I still haven't found what I'm looking for was I still haven't found my book report. So he would sing along very heartily in the, the car in that way, which is hilarious. I have, I don't know. I'll be honest. I have a problem. When I hear these songs, I have to literally like read the lyrics. I swear I mix up words and it's a nightmare for me. Sure. So you're not great. You're not, when you go out for karaoke. Oh, no. The wrong words. Yeah, of course. The wrong words every time. <laughs> um, so let's start, Aaron. Let's just talk about a little bit about the uh, the trip down to Orlando. Like, how was the the whole? I mean, after you've been sort of isolated, you you yeah. back to training and stuff like that. But actually, going on a plane and then what's you know what's the setup like down there in uh, in Orlando? Yeah. So um, you know, obviously, I'm sure everyone knows we've been training, uh, full team training, a couple weeks, uh, regularly tested. Um, I think it was every other day we were getting a. Uh, nasal tested and once a week we're doing blood draws um so you know we felt pretty safe coming down um took a private plane down and it was you know real safe we pulled up on the whatever the tarmac um and we just loaded into a plane so that in that sense it was great um you know we all felt safe in that way um but you know once we got here you know obviously a lot of there's been a lot of cases coming out of players down here um and I don't know, we can't really attest where it's coming from. But, uh, you know, it, it's a good setup. Um, obviously, we all have our own rooms. Um, everyone brought their own kind of gaming supplies. So a lot of us are just in gaming. It's kind of like a, I don't know, a frat house that you don't see each other. You know, you're right across the hall yelling at the person to, you know, get online or like, you know, 
you know, yelling through the, the the wall to Ethan to get online to play with me. But it's a uh, really unusual circumstances. Um, it's just you know essentially the new normal. Uh, you're walking around everywhere with a mask on. Everyone around the hotel has a mask on. You know you the food the food situation is pretty funny because you know usually we do these group trips and it's just an open buffet. You know uh, you go put what you want now. You know, obviously, social distancing, you're uh, six feet apart. Um, you know, it's one at a time. So this can be a little daunting, but uh, it's not bad. And, you know, so far, uh, it hasn't, it's been very manageable. Yeah. Um, how was that nasal swab test? I've heard some stories about it tickling people's brains. So I'm about 20 nasal swab tests in, and it depends on your tester. We, we've come to this conclusion. There's some testers, I don't know, are more gentle and it's more of a tickle. And there's some testers that are just jamming through your nose and it almost feels like you're going to bleed. But it's all, it all depends who's testing you. I mean, it can be so easy or it can be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there a feeling, Aaron, um, of, is there a feeling of, of apprehension maybe? Um, is there a feeling of nerves at the moment? Because we see every day more and more positive tests are, are coming out inside the area that you're in yeah if you would asked me 12 hours ago i'd probably have a different response but obviously you know with more coming out even as we're speaking um yeah there's more nerves coming through um you know we just kind of i guess the whole we don't really understand where it's coming from um you know i guess the theories that we're hearing is that it's coming from before they come on the trip or the teams are getting contracted with the virus before maybe a player, maybe a few, and then spreading it throughout the team since we're all pretty confined. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you asked me 12, 16 hours ago, I would have said, no, there's no worries, you know. But obviously, you know, we've seen all the reports coming out through ESPN and then more numbers of cases in certain organizations. Yeah, it's uh, it's alarming. So um, in terms of that, like the, the the sort of moving ahead with the concern and everything like that is the, is it, are there adaptations being made uh, sort of on the way as far as training or is this just sort of like we got to trust the bubble and the way that we're training and the process we have in place yeah um i mean as of right now we're trusting the process trusting that you know our players are isolating themselves from other teams um and you know we've been here four days and we've had zero positive tests so as I'm currently talking to you now, we're feeling comfortable that in our group, we don't have it uh, down here. And so, you know, it's all up to the next guy or to be as safe as possible, you know, to minimize all your risk. Um, and it's not only for that individual, it's for the group, you know, to not put the group in danger. Right. So I think, uh, you know, most everyone is trying to do their best to keep everyone safe, trying to, you know, stay sane throughout the situation. Um, you know, we, we knew what we're getting into. We knew it's not an ideal situation, but we knew we needed to help do it for the league to do it for ourselves, our careers and everything. And I think, uh, everyone's trying to make an unpleasant situation the most pleasant we can. Sure. Yeah. So you're talking about staying sane that, um, I, I saw you, the, the photo of you with the, the monitor, uh, getting <laughs> on the plane, like it's clearly you're serious about getting your gaming in. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, you're, I know you're a game guy, like who, I mean, you said you're playing with Ethan and stuff like that. Like who else yeah. are the big gamers on the team? We got, uh, Tyler Miller into gaming, um, Boxy's into gaming. Um, I put Robin a lot as well, but also, um, 
Raheem Edwards, uh, Mason Toy, all these guys, you know, we got a, a deep, we got a deep roster. And so if you ain't in that top four, you're kind of on that cusp of the Warzone squad. So <laughs> so it's all Call of Duty? Is that what it is? Is that the deal? Yeah, right now we've all kind of shifted to Call of Duty. I mean, you know, a year ago, I would have told you I never would touch Call of Duty. I was so obsessed with Fortnite. But uh, once like that, uh, that little series has died for me. So I'm full train on Warzone. Yeah, Fortnite was, I, I mean, I remember talking to Brent, I think, about uh, Fortnite, and this is a couple of years ago, and he sort of had mm-hmm. a, a squad with some of the other players who played, but yeah, yeah the, the Call of Duty thing has gotten big. I can't, I feel like I'm too old at this point, because it's just like yeah. my Twitch skills are... are oh, I feel it. There's, I can see it, with, I mean, I'm 30, I'm not saying I'm old or anything, but I can see it, uh, you know, I remember younger, it felt so easy, and now I literally have to concentrate so hard to, like just see moving objects in a distance or I'm telling you, they, they, they took a look. I read an article one day, like the, your peak gaming age, I think is 13 to 19 or your peak years of gaming. So that's enough. Yeah, no, I'm way past that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember the last time I played a proper video game, to be honest. So I'm intrigued to see how that turns out. Um, Aaron Stay Pro- away. Stay away, I'm telling you. There's <laughs> yeah. too many 12-year-olds beating me down every day, talking talking bad to me. It ain't good. Um, from, from a game that you play for pleasure to a game you play for a living, how yeah. has training been since you've gotten down to Orlando? Training's been great. Um, we've had, I think we're four. I mean, I'm kind of lost in the bubble, but I think we're four days in. I don't know. Something like this. Um, every session's been good. Um, trying to adapt to the heat first session we did in the evening so it was a little cooler but uh the last three days we've been at the 10 a.m slot um right before it gets to that peak temperature but you know it's a grind i mean you're 20 25 minutes into training and you have water coming out of your shoes from sweat you know you're just an adaptation i mean we're all going through it um we're all learning to fight through the heat all learning to prepare ourselves physically before you know with hydration and whatever you know we most of us have been doing this for a while so I understand what it takes to to get through these rough sessions, but it's been good. I mean, we've, uh, you know, done a good amount of fitness, a good amount of gym, and, you know, we feel prepared. Do you feel like that's, uh, that adaptation uh, process, is that is that going to favor teams like Orlando or Inter-Miami who are sort of already somewhat accustomed to it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you could say that. It, I mean, it's literally a mental thing, you know. I mean, once your body kind of adapts to – suffering i feel like at that point it's mental um i mean i would say if you came for one day and tried to play a game and you know there's crazy temperatures i would say they'd have an advantage but you know if we're down here training for two two weeks before you know i feel like we're all at the same playing field yeah that's fair i was that, i remember when um uh, minnesota united the, the first season played uh the home opener and it was in that raging snowstorm and people are like well this is a home yeah. field advantage and i was like listen none of the guys in this team have been here for more than like a month first of yeah. all and that, so like you know i think that the the idea of uh, you know there's a certain adjustment that that helps yeah. but that doesn't necessarily make a huge difference you know yeah or anything like that so. i mean i remember when i was young in the league we'd go play away in houston when i was in columbus in the summers and you would be like wow, wow these guys can run forever you know they were just a little more accustomed to the heat and managing their bodies throughout the game but i feel like if we're all down here training for you know a good amount of time before it's all level playing field 
Yeah. So is it, do you feel like it's possible to assess, you know, the season obviously has been so, so bizarre and there's that process that any team goes through where there's sort of training camp, uh, you know, preseason, early games as they get adjusted. And then this got interrupted and he sort of went through another off season and then another training camp. Is it possible to assess where the team is right now as a team sort of as a whole versus where you were sort of when the, when play was suspended? I mean, yeah. Um, it's hard to say. It's a hard question. Um, I'll say this. I feel like our group, you know, we have a ton of chemistry. Um, you know, it's an organization that I feel there's really not any clicks in the locker room. Everyone gets along. You know, you can see it's a, a guys who are willing to play for each other. There's, there's no selfish personality. So I'll say that that'll add to, you know, all the craziness that'll help us through this. But you know, obviously before we were probably in better form. Um, if you're, you want to say that we'd been together longer, you know, longer training camps and everything, but I think like we're in, you know, we're still fine. Um, the group's still clicking. Um, and you know, I feel like everyone in the league is just trying to get back as much fitness as they can. Aaron, because of the amount of time players have had off, there's obviously going to be a physical disadvantage for the majority of players, you would assume. Yeah. With that in mind, do you expect the football to be a little more direct, perhaps a little more reserved? Um, I mean, in theory, I would say that teams will probably sit back, conserve a bit of energy. Um, you know, this is just logically thinking. Uh, I don't know anything, but just logically thinking, teams will probably want to sit back, conserve energy in the heat, and probably play for the counterattack. You know, I would imagine probably the most organized team in these games are going to win um, based off the conditions, based off lack of full training, lack of full fitness, you can say. But, um, you know, anything's possible. I mean, all that's just in theory if you're just using a logical mindset. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how players prepared by themselves, you know, throughout this time. Um, I would say that'll, that'll lead teams to advantages that the groups that were actually training very hard on their own. Yeah. So how do you, how do you feel about the, I mean, the format itself is also different than just going back into regular season games and everything like that. The tournament format is different. Um, How do you feel like that changes the dynamic for teams in terms of playing in this tournament format? And also, is it, is it something you you're familiar with from playing in Israel? I mean, obviously it's a a thing you've seen in different, different leagues. So. Yeah. I mean, most leagues around the world, you have multiple weeks a year where you're playing every three days and, you know, there was times I was in Israel where play, two, three weeks of three games a week, you know, so it was a lot of rotations, but, um, you know, I looked at, I think we're five days between games. So, you know, in theory, all the, you should be able to almost fully recover in five days. Um, and you know, you would imagine because the first three games are part of the regular season, that these are the games that are going to hold the most, uh, most meaning. Um, you know, I would say that the clubs are going to go full go on these first three games and, you know, whatever happens after, of course, everyone wants to win. But, you know, the main thing is, you know, to get through these three games for your regular season. Right. And how do you feel about that, uh, the group that Minnesota United is in with Colorado and Real Salt Lake and Sporting Kansas City? Yeah, we feel like it's a strong group. Um, you know, we don't feel like we have any, any obviously, freebies. But that's also to MLS. It, you know, in general, it's a pretty fair league on any day or any given night. Any team can beat anyone. It's not, you know, one of these top-sided European leagues where, you know, the first-place team is ahead of the second-place team by, you know, 70 points at the end of the year or whatever, you know. Liverpool shade right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, 
So it's, uh, you know, just American sports in general, it's almost at any given night because of how the leagues are structured with the drafting or salary caps. It's always pretty level across the board. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the, you know, obviously there's not really a home and away uh, thing going on. Uh, you'll be playing sort of in neutral sites, but with no fans, then especially if, you know, it's not clear exactly what happens after this. But if there is some kind of resumption, you know, in MLS, there's such a, a there's often a, a very big difference in terms of your home record versus your away record for teams. It's going to be yeah. interesting to see teams sort of playing consistently on on a level field. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's overall in this, you know, it's all new. Um, you know, it's going to, it'll just be, it'll be exciting for everyone. It's not, there's no givens, um, you know, there's no freebies anywhere. So, I mean, I think it'll be a really level playing field throughout the tournament. Oh, and I've got to ask you, I've, I've been dying to ask you about this for a long time. Yeah. Israel, um, not the obvious destination when I think of a singular American soccer player moving on. <laughs> um, first of all, how did that move come about? And why did you feel it was the right destination for you? Yeah, so... It all kind of started coming about maybe three months before we lost MLS Comp in Columbus. I was uh, going to be out of contract. Columbus had made an offer, but, you know, at the, in that moment, you know, I was playing behind Kai Kamara, who had just, I think, golden boot the year, 28 goals, and you know, he was an amazing player. And I just wanted more of an opportunity to, to where I could go play freely and, you know, to not have to sub in for two minutes or something where you really can't show yourself. Um, so, you know, I'm Jewish and I have, uh, qualified for the right of return in Israel. So I knew I could take a passport and I don't know, just getting called from agents. And, you know, I was on a guy's trip down in Key West with some friends and I got a call and I was like, all right, book a flight. I'll, I'll fly out. And just kind of happened like that kind of spur of the moment. And, you know, it turned out to four years later. Yeah. You scored a lot of goals as well in the, in the first uh, year or two as well. And yeah. It led you to Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is yeah. the club in Israel. You won the league as well yeah. during your time there. How how was your time there, both professionally and personally as well, living in Israel? Yeah, um, I guess I can start professionally. It was good. I mean, obviously, the, the big move to Maccabi was, you know, something that, you know, to this day, I feel like fortunate to play for, you know, such a prestigious club and, you know, to play all these Europa League games and, you know, being the Champions League and all of this was, you know, stuff I'd always dreamed about, you know. You know, just essentially as an American, you almost have no chance to play, you know, just based off the passport laws and everything. It's, you know, so hard to even get into these competitions or to find clubs that you'll be eligible for it. So in that aspect, I would say that was, you know, the highlight of my time there. Just playing in these competitions was so, you know, just something I'd always dreamed of. I um, mean, personally, um, it was a, it was great. You know, I went over there as, you know, a single guy at 25 and had no ties. So, you know, it was a bit freeing. I felt that I was kind of on a journey by myself and and not to get too personal, but, you know, I felt, feel like I was able to, I don't want to say find myself, but, you know, I was on my own. I had no one around me. I didn't know anyone. I had no family when I went. And it just felt nice to know that I could kind of make it somewhere on my own. So when you were when you were over there, did you um, like in terms of taking advantage of that? Did you get to go to see you know sites and sort of like yeah. experience the culture and everything like that? Yeah, I mean by the end of the four years, you know I can speak a pretty good amount of the language. I can um, I have tons of friends there. Um, yeah, we would go. I've been to Jerusalem a lot. Went saw the sites there, Dead Sea um, a lot, which is uh, one of the vacation spots, and it's beautiful. You're sitting on the border of. Uh, Egypt. I mean, you can see uh, 
you're in Jordan, you can see Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's just like stuff that you would never get to do in America. Um, crossed the border into Egypt a couple of times. And, you know, it's just really cool, really cool stuff. Yeah. And then as far as that professional development also in terms of, you know, get, getting those opportunities with a team like that, do you feel like that also, I mean, how that experience has affected you as a player in terms of just you yeah. bringing that veteran level and sort of an experience in a lot of different kinds of competitions to a team? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had some great coaches. I was lucky to find her, Jordy Cruyff, um, you know, very powerful figure in world soccer. Uh, Steve McLaren was an assistant coach who was the coach of England in the World Cup. Um, it was, you know, it was awesome, you know, and you, you're at a club like this and you're able to develop and do well. And I don't know, I just feel like you're able to come back with a lot more confidence. Um, you know, if, if you're in a young American, essentially in MLS, very hard to get minutes, especially if you're a nine or a 10 position as a striker and whatever the attacking mid, um, you know, based off the DPs and everything. So I know it was nice to go get confidence. Um, to realize that you fit in in this league, that you're a good player. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard and you're young, you're playing one, two minutes a game, or maybe don't make a squad, or then you start doubting yourself, am I really good enough? So it was nice to know that, you know, you can make it somewhere else. Some fabulous experience was gained whilst you were playing over there, Aaron. You mentioned playing in Europe, and in particular the Europa League. Here's yeah. some countries, based on my research, that you got the chance to play in because of the Europa League. Yeah. Iceland, Hungary, Armenia, Spain, Austria, Greece, Norway, Serbia, and you scored your first European goal in Albania, I believe. Yeah. Did yeah. you think you would have that kind of experience from a footballing perspective? No, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. You know, you're talking about your experiences to friends. And I was in a conversation the other day here with a couple of guys and they're asking about some of these places. And I, you know, couldn't believe I'd been in Albania or, you know, I'd been in Kazakhstan and Armenia, just countries that you would never as an American would think would be in. So, you know, I'm so thankful for that experience. You know, I got to see the world while playing soccer I mean I can't ask for much more than that and it's just you know it's surreal even you know you naming off these countries to know that you know I went there and you know it just it was an unbelievable experience so as far as then making that decision to come back to MLS and, and, and join Minnesota United, like what, you know, you talked about the moment being right to go over to Israel, um, yeah. sort of find your confidence, find yourself and everything like that and, and, and develop. Like, what was it about the opportunity to come to Minnesota that really struck you? It was like, this is the time to do this. Yeah. So, you know, I had a little bit of history of Adrian in the past. Um, I known him and, you know, when this came about, I wanted to play for him as, you know, the manager. Uh, but also personally, you know, my girlfriend is, you know, playing in North Carolina. And so I thought it would be a good moment that, you know, to get closer with her. And I don't know, I think it was just a kind of perfect timing to get back. Um, I was finishing my deal in Israel in the summer and I knew eventually I was going to come back to MLS. And so I, when this opportunity came up, uh, I just didn't want to give it up. Yeah. So um, what has that experience been like, you know, with, uh, you know, with your, your girlfriend currently playing also, um, like, how has that been going through the quarantine experience and everything? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we had a long break, we were able to spend some time together during the quarantine, train together, which was, you know, so nice, you know, obviously, we'd been doing distance this whole time. And to actually spend two months together was, you know, more than I could ask for, um, you know, really brought us closer. But, you know, we're going through this together. She's in Utah right now. Uh, in their bubble playing um, so it's nice that we can lean on each other and you know share our experiences and just try to keep each other positive day by day 
Yeah. Um, I should say, so, so can we say who your girlfriend is? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's Abby Dahlkamper, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so we're not having a whole discussion about like this without a, anybody knowing who, <laughs> who yeah, we're talking sorry. about. So what is, what, just, you know, a little window into like what, what, what's the, what's their bubble been like out there in Utah? Like they're in a couple of different hotels. It's not like one bubble like we have. Um, for instance, they're, they're in an embassy suites and I wouldn't say their situation is as good as, you know, as good as ours is down here, you know, based off the league, but they're managing, um, playing games and, you know, at the end of the day, that's all they want to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're okay. They're okay. Yeah. And so when you guys are training, are you, do you get competitive, uh, with each other? <laughs> we play pickleball. So when we're playing pickleball, we get a little competitive. Oh, okay. So, yeah. This has been our only competitive, real competitive moment against each other, but you know, we're playing, we run fitness and, we hit balls with each other and you know it's nice to share this passion with you know someone you love yeah uh, i get into trouble with ping pong that's my uh, my problem yeah, it's I, like i i'm like I, okay i really want to dominate a ping pong so um, yeah it's it's tough it's tough you know at the end of the day both you know her and i are you know extreme competitor neither wants to lose so you know a little bit of competitive rage can come out here and there i get in trouble with beer pong so, <laughs> so there you go. Um, Aaron, going back to, to when you first came back to Minnesota United, I was watching some tape of you when I first found out we were going to be interviewing you. Uh, I think it's safe to say a lot of people view you and the way you play um, as a fairly direct footballer. You're a target man. But yeah. I was quite surprised at seeing some of the goals you'd scored in Israel because you'd scored a lot of different types of goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you changed as a player from when you left Columbus to when you were sent to Minnesota? I would just, I don't think I changed. I mean, I think I had this the whole time, but you know, when you're young and coaches are kind of forcing their ideas into you um, and you're trying to do anything four minutes, you kind of become the player they want you to be, you you know? And I think over there I was able to be given a blank, you know, blank slate and, you know, you're able to show all your qualities, but I feel like when, you know, you're getting subbed in for a couple minutes at the end of the game and someone's telling you go hold the ball up and, you know, go flick every ball and you're not going to, you know, try too much stuff or not going to try to chip a goal away from 20 yards or, you know. So, you know, when you're younger, you're just doing anything to please the coach to try to stay, you know, in the in the pitcher. But I feel like as you're older and you become more established, you're able to play with more freedom and try stuff that maybe you wouldn't have tried before you had the confidence. Yeah, I think though, sorry, Steve. Did you feel as though Aaron that that Adrian Heath has given you that element of freedom? Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like Adrian respects me uh, what I do on the field. I feel like we've got a good relationship, and you know, if I want to try something, I don't think it's going to bother him because he knows, you know, you know, I have the idea, and he trusts me to, you know, go score goals. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it's a thing that it applies. You know, it's a thing you hear it come up a lot in, um, or I've heard it come up a lot in sports um, with, with players, but it applies across, I think a lot of professions. Um, we tend to look at sports and go like, well, it's just this guy, this is how this guy plays. How good is he? Is he better than this guy? But, you know, like I think in your life, a lot of that sort of growing up is that, that progress you make of understanding the difference between just like doing what somebody wants to do and then doing what you're capable of and trying to find a mix there so that you have an identity and that you want people to appreciate that identity and, and, and play you because of what you can do and not just, you know, what they see in you. Necessarily. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. And I feel like that also relates to other aspects of life. You know, if you're told as a kid, you're, 
I don't know. Like if, if you're told as a kid, you can't do something, you're going to believe it forever. You can't do something, you know? And so I feel like this translates to sports in real life. And, you know, I feel like a lot of just young athletes are just trying to please their, their manager or coach. So looking ahead, uh, you know, as we get into, this is obviously you're at the start of something. You're going to be down there for quite a while. We talked about the video games. I also wanted to follow up and ask about like, do you have backup things to do in case it gets really bad? Yeah, I brought, a couple, books brought? Down here. I brought okay. a, a couple books down here. Um, picked up, look, it's the Ed Snowden autobiography. Okay. I forget the name of it. I was going to find it, but yeah, interesting about him. Um, but yeah, so reading that on the plane, pretty good. Um, I brought a couple more magazines, but you know, long time, long time, a lot of things to do. Catching up on, you know, I guess it, it, hopefully you have some access to some, some HBO or something like that. You can catch up on some things. So yeah, we, uh, the TVs are pretty good. We have HBO showtime, um, Premier League soccer games on right now past the afternoon with, so yeah, it could be be worse. It'd be great if you hadn't just spent three months at home watching TV already, I guess. (laughs) I know, man. I know. You know, it's anything that comes on right now, like any sporting event, I don't care. I'll watch ping pong. I'd watch hot dog eating contest. Shout out to Joey Chestnut probably on the 4th of July, but I'd watch anything right now. Tradition. Tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, finally for me, Aaron, um, what is a good tournament for Aaron Schoenfeld and for Minnesota United? Um, A good tournament? Um, Obviously, we want to get out of the group. Um, we want to go far in the tournament. I mean, I'll say we'd like to win the tournament, you know, as to any team. Um, but, uh, personally, I would like to score a couple goals, help the team. I mean, I think more important is to help the team get through whatever we need to get through. But, you know, as an attacking player, you want to score. Um, that's what you're here to do. So, and I would like to get a couple goals. Well, there's definitely going to be opportunities, I think. It seems like with, I mean, even with five days rest and recovery, there's going to be a good amount of, you know, people are having opportunities. Some of those, you know, we brought in a lot of new guys. Um, yeah. And, and it'll be great to see, you know, all of you guys get run out there. And it's, it's, that, it's yeah, that opportunity sure. that every player wants, which is to go out there and, and prove themselves. For sure. For sure. It'll be interesting. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Sound of the Loons. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. I hope you have a great day. Yeah, and thanks to you, the listener, for joining us for the 103rd Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Ventress. You can also follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Schoenfeld. Are you a, are you a Twitter guy generally or you do something? I'm a news Twitter guy. I'm not tweeting too much. I just like to take my news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think just stay stay away from it generally. I went through a period of not being on it at all. So yeah. <laughs> I forget yeah. that. Exactly. (laughs) Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.